God, throughout this morning, we have welcomed your presence in this place. Lord, by your mercy and grace, as best as we are able, we open ourselves to you now, ready to receive what only you can give. Today, as we continue our journey of learning what it means to live a life fully present to God, to others, and to ourselves, illumine us. Holy Spirit, open our eyes and our hearts to the areas of our lives that do not reflect the image of Christ. Make us aware of our deep longing for more of you. Jesus, our Lord, in your love, allow us to experience you this day, in this moment, as Emmanuel, God with us. Our Father, allow us to rest in your sovereignty, compassion, and peace. Lord, have your way. Have your way this morning. Have your way every day of our lives. It is with thanks and expectation we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. My name is Kim Whetstone, and I am one of the pastors here at Parkview. And we have been over the past four weeks in the series called Present, in which we have been exploring what it means for us to be fully present to God, to others, and to ourselves. And we've been doing it in, in expectation of this week, the week that the holidays begin. It's our hope that you have been brought to a place where you will be able to be more fully present in your life through the holidays. Now, Ray has done a tremendous job of really laying a theological foundation for us and reminding us that we can only be present in our lives in and through God. But can you and I talk for a minute about this idea of being present? I don't know if you're anything like me, but it can feel a little bit nebulous. And I don't know that I always do so well with it. So by show of hands, I will need your participation here. How many in that moment of silence that we took together just a moment ago, that moment we took to be fully present to God, how many of you were like, yes, give me some more of that? Eight of you, all right, that is good. All right, and how many of you, by show of hands, were like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what that was. I was thinking about doing my laundry. <laughs> like, seriously, how many of you was that your experience? The rest of you are saints. God bless you. You were able to fully engage in that moment. No, the reality is this, that we feel this weird tension. There is this desire in our lives, this deep desire to be more fully present. But at the same time, it can be awkward and challenging, and we don't quite know how to engage. But why is it so awkward? Well, we live in a culture in which we receive 5,000 messages a day coming in, okay? These are like through media, through advertisements. This is what some scientists say. And all of these messages are just constantly bombarding our minds and creating noise. It is suggested that the average adult 
makes 35,000 conscious decisions a day. 35,000. These are all demands on us. Questions demanding an answer. And again, by show of hands, how many of you in here have a smartphone? Right? Like a lot of us have a smartphone. And again, by show of hands, how many of you have access to your work email on your smartphone? Right? A lot of us. We have this amazing ability in the time we live in that we actually wear our work on our bodies. How many of you go anywhere without a smartphone? We, we rarely do. It is on us almost all the time. And whether it's through Facebook or through Instagram or simply by checking our email, we are constantly pulled in two places at once. One place emotionally and then another place physically. We are constantly doing, constantly moving, constantly responding, constantly trying to ensure that we end up on top today so that we can guarantee that our tomorrow is secure. We are constantly hustling, hustling, hustling. Now these are interesting facts, but do you notice something about them? They all place our control, the struggle that we experience to be present, somewhere out there. It's somebody else's fault. Well, this is just what it takes to live in the time we live in. This is just what I have to do. If I'm going to get by, it's my job. What do you expect me to do? How many of you have ever said that? But is it really what we have to do? And is it really what this life is all about? Yes, our world demands that we move at a quick pace, but there is more to our hustling. And today I want to take us a bit deeper. Today, when we use the term hustle, we are not only referring to the rapid pace by which we live, but moreover, our hustle is our automatic, dysfunctional, and life-limiting actions and behaviors which stem from deep emotional and spiritual brokenness that prevents us from living life abundantly. Let me repeat that again. Our hustle is our automatic dysfunctional and life-limiting actions and behaviors which stem from deep emotional and spiritual brokenness that prevents us from living life abundantly. Our hustle is the way we live life just to get by. And it is a way of living in in which we are not fully honest with God, ourselves, or others. Our hustle makes it impossible to be fully present. It is at the core of who we are. It is deeply rooted in brokenness and sin, a direct result of the fall, and it is shaped by our experiences with God, our family, our spiritual journey, and the church, especially if we grew up in the church where we could never be enough, where no matter what we did, God's love and grace and forgiveness was just out of reach. 
in order to be fully present, that which drives our hustle needs to be acknowledged, healed, and redeemed. Central to our hustle is our struggle to truly and deeply receive God's unconditional love for us. Jeremiah 31.3, God tells us, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Psalm 107 instructs us to give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his faithful love endures forever. Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter eight proclaims, who will separate us from the love of God. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Page after page of the Bible is filled with affirmations of God's deep and true love for us. And at some level within us, it resonates. There's something that arises in us when we hear about God's love for us. But it is so great and it's so expansive and our brokenness is so real that we struggle to wrap our minds around it. So instead of surrendering every part of ourselves to Jesus and allowing God to be the orienting reality of our lives, we allow the world, as dictated through our brokenness, as dictated through our hustle, to be our orienting reality. When we do this, we keep God and we keep others at a distance. We also take control of others' perceptions of us. And we do this so that we have a false sense of security. But all of us find that it never brings us true and lasting peace. Author, speaker, and spiritual director Ruth Haley Barton in her study, Spiritual Transformation, A Biblical and Theological Perspective, explains the self works hard to control and manage reality and has its own plans for remedying the human condition, which are outside of Christ. Our hustle is the way in which we concoct our own remedy. And let's be honest, we all have our own hustle. And it always excludes Christ. For some of us, our hustle is a deep desire for significant and prestige. We have this kind of fear of missing out. And so we rack our tons and tons of credit card debt so that we can look like we have it all together and we can hang out with the right people. And we do everything we can to keep up with the Joneses, but at the end of the day, when we're honest with ourselves, we're just longing for God's unconditional love and true community. For some of us, we want to be viewed as as the most kind, most generous people, and so we always say yes, we never say no to serving, and we exhaust ourselves. 
In the midst of it, we surrender our own voice because we want to be liked. And we believe that if we do this, then our deep need to be loved will be met and that we will never be left alone, that we will never experience abandonment. At the core of who we are, we long for the security that we can only find in Christ and God's unfailing love. And then there are some of us who are working 70, 80, 90 hour work weeks. I know this reality, I've been there. And you reach a certain point where you have a certain amount of authority and you begin to allure your authority over others because it makes you feel strong and it makes you feel like you have a purpose. It makes you feel like you're actually in control of life. But the reality is you are scared out of your mind about what the world will be like if you're not in control. You have a deep longing for God to be the one in power. Our personal hustles were birthed in sin, trauma, or the wounds we sustained relationally. Times we felt unloved, alone, unimportant, invisible, terrified, or entirely powerless. The more we live into our hustle, the more we become enslaved to its false and disorienting temporal desires. This only perpetuates our, our hustle and keeps us from being fully present. But my friends, there is indeed a better way to live. Jesus tells us in John chapter 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. It doesn't say that, that Jesus came just to give us life so we might just get by. It tells us that God came to give us life so that we might have life to the full. And that is not just on the other side of eternity. That is in the right here, in the right now. That is to be experienced in the midst of our daily lives in every single moment. The Apostle Paul urges us in Romans 12 to do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In order to live abundantly, in order to live lives in which we are fully present to God, others, and ourselves, our minds must be renewed or as the phrase actually denotes, our minds, the thought patterns from which our behaviors originate, must undergo a complete renovation or change for the better. What is described here is what is referred to as Christian formation or spiritual transformation. And it is part of our discipleship relationship with Jesus Christ. Author, speaker, and spiritual director Ruth Haley Barton and New Testament scholar Dr. M. Robert Mulholland define spiritual formation, spiritual transformation so well. They define it as the process by which Christ is formed in us for the glory of God, for the abundance of our own lives, 
and for the sake of others. It is essential that we remember this true transformation is only possible in and through Jesus Christ. It is always and only the work of the Holy Spirit who does the work of transformation in our lives. It is a gift that God offers us that we must receive. And we receive this gift by being present to God. And we are present to God through the practice of prayer. So today, I want to share with you one of the practices that I utilize in my own life, the prayer of the examine. The examine is a technique of prayerful reflection on the events of the day in order to detect God's presence and discern his direction for us. It is an ancient spiritual practice in the church that can help us see God's hand at work in our daily lives. And at its foundation, it is the cry that we hear in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. When we review church history, we see that the examine is typically practiced at midday or in the evening or sometimes both. And as the reminder that all spiritual dis disciplines are not meant to be a legalistic practice. Again, we acknowledge that it is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit guides, leads, and transforms. But we say yes to the invitation to join in to the sacred rhythms of grace in our lives, which help us to deepen our relationship with Jesus Christ. The examine follows five simple steps. First, we focus on God and we ask for light. We actually take the moment to pause and to be present to God. And we invite the Holy Spirit to come in. We ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate our heart and our mind so that we may see God's presence throughout our day and that we may view ourselves through the lens of God's truth. Second, we thank God. We thank God for the gift of life and his presence in each moment and whatever else we want to thank God for. And in this process of thanking God, it is a reminder that God is the one that is in power. God is God and we are human. So we surrender to God's authority. Third, we review the day. Again, as the Holy Spirit guides us, we look back on our day noticing the moments where we felt joyous, the moments of tension, whatever it is that God reveals to us. And we look at those things honestly and we sit with them. And we let God show us where we operated out of a place of spiritual and emotional health or spiritual and emotional sin and dysfunction, our brokenness, our hustle. And next, we face our shortcomings. We face up to what is right and wrong in our lives and in us. For most of us, this can be the most challenging part of the examine. 
because this is where God begins to reveal to us the deeper things about our sin and our hustle that are really hard to look at and often the things that we're not aware of. But in these moments, when we want to blame, excuse our run, we must remember that God is our great advocate and it is the Holy Spirit that is allowing us to see only what we can handle. And God is the one leading us on this journey of transformation and God is the one who is walking alongside of us. I find it so interesting that again and again in Jesus' ministry, we find Jesus reaching out to the broken in various ways. But we see common things amongst them, right? Jesus never shames. Jesus never isolates. Jesus never condemns. What we see is God bidding us to come, inviting us into community with him, and then bringing us into a place of restoration. Sometimes he does some interesting things like he does with blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10. If you remember, blind Bartimaeus is this man who's begging on the side of the road and he calls out, son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. And he's calling out for healing. And the crowd tries to quiet him. But as they do this, Jesus stops and notice and he asks the man to come, Bartimaeus to come. And then he does something that's so interesting. Right there, in the middle of blind Bartimaeus' brokenness and his great need and his utter helplessness, it's in that place that Jesus reaches out his hand and says to him, what do you want me to do for you? So as God reveals to us the ugly sin in our heart, the areas where we're struggling with our hustle, It is in those places that Jesus comes to us and says, child, what do you want me to do for you? And finally, we look forward with hope. Scripture tells us in Romans that there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So with our knowledge of grace, As sons and daughters of God, we stand firmly in grace, in hope, in unconditional love, and we look forward to tomorrow knowing that God is already there and he's gonna be there with us and he is going to give us the strength that we need and the awareness that we need to begin walking in a new way, walking in a way that will allow us to experience redemption and wholeness and to be fully present to God, others, and ourselves to be present to the deep longings of our heart for more of God. But today, in this moment, where are you? How's your hustle working for you? How are you doing with being fully present to God? fully present with the longings of your own soul and fully present to those people God has placed in your life. When I was a 23-year-old, I was in the process of doing my chaplaincy training at McNeil Hospital in Berwyn, Illinois. And it was there in the wee hours of the morning 
about 4 a.m., I received an emergency page to the ER. Running on only about an hour or two of sleep, I quickly got myself together and I rushed down to the ER. And as I arrived, I was whisked into this room where there was a flurry of doctors and nurses and monitors and one man who lie on a bed bleeding. And the doctor pulled me aside and he made me aware of what was going on in the situation. And then he explained to me that it was going to be my job to let the family know what was going on. So I waited for the family to arrive. And a few moments later, I met his fiance and their two three-year-old twins in the vestibule of the ER. And she refused to come in. She refused to come in to any more comfortable place until she knew what was happening with her fiance. So it was there, under the glaring fluorescent lights of the ER vestibule between two cold sliding glass doors as she held the hands of her two children that I took a deep breath. And I proceeded. Ma'am, I'm sorry to inform you. Your fiance was involved tonight in what the police are referring to as a drug deal gone bad. He has sustained a gunshot, head, gunshot wound to the head. The doctors are doing everything they can but right now, it's not looking so good. Arising from deep within this woman came this raw, guttural scream like I have never heard before and like I have never heard since. And she fell to her knees, screaming and crying, just overwhelmed with grief. And her children followed suit, afraid and shaking, just wondering what was going on with their daddy. And then at some point, her mood began to shift a little bit, still overwhelmed by grief, but she got angry. And she began to yell again and again, he told me the drug dealing was done. He told me he was done hustling. He told me the drug dealing was done. He told me that he wasn't hustling. To this day, I don't know if that man lived or if he died. My last visions of him are of this dad, this fiance, lying on a stretcher, bleeding out as the doctors prepped him to be airlifted out. And that night, as I walked out of the ER, I left my footprints in another man's blood. And over my shoulder, I could see the custodian just mopping them up. They were gone. Y'all, we only get one shot at this life. We get one shot at this thing, and it goes like that. And for most of us, 
We aren't dealing drugs. But we all got our own hustle. And our spouses and our friends and our children and our own souls are paying the price. Our spouses keep saying to us, you aren't listening to me. You aren't hearing me. And our friends keep saying to us, you don't seem to have any time for me. And our kids are just begging us. They're begging us to put our phones down for 10 seconds, to set our work aside for just 10 seconds. And maybe, just maybe tell them that we love them. And maybe, just maybe, take time to play a game with them. And you know what? I think that there are a lot of us that we are just so overwhelmed and so exhausted that we don't know what to do. And we are lying there and our souls are bleeding out. We know something's wrong, but we don't know what to do about it. So today, there's hope. Because we serve a God of unconditional love, grace, and mercy, who knows every detail of our lives and who promises us that he will never leave us or forsake us, who lived the life that we could never live and died the death we deserve to die so that you and I might have eternal life, but also so that we might experience abundant life now. And it is that God, it is that Jesus who stands extending his hand to us in the midst of our mess and our struggle, saying, child, what do you want me to do for you? Friends, this, this, is the truth that orients our reality. This is the grace that transforms us. So this morning, as we wrap up, we're going to spend some time together in reflection and then receiving communion. If you can't get up to one of the four stations that are located in the four corners of the room, raise your hand and we'll make sure that communion gets to you. But I want to invite all of us to pause and to listen and to take those things, those areas of our lives where we are longing for abundant life, where we don't know how to break out of our hustle, to allow God to surface those things. And then when you come forward for communion, Lay those things at his feet. My friends, you and I, we are not hopeless. And we are not beyond repair. And God can empower us to live a life where we are fully present to him, ourselves, and others. So this morning, I bid you to come when you are ready the table that our good Lord has prepared is waiting for you. We serve a God who is rich in love and mercy and grace. 
and he doesn't leave us alone in our mess. It's his desire that every single day when we end that day that we would, we would be one more step closer to him than where we were that morning. In those areas of our lives, those areas that we feel completely powerless over, he is not because all things are possible with God. I hope that this week, as you go to see family and as the holiday season officially begins, that you take a moment to pause and to breathe deeply, to be present with God and to ask him to go with you. Ask him to open your eyes so that you might see him at work in you and around you and that you might have his grace and love in every conversation that you're a part of. I want to invite you to come back next week as we have a time of worship and reflection next Sunday morning where we try to implement all the things that we've talked about over these last four weeks. But right now, will you stand with me, please? I want to pray over us this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, we praise you, oh God, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. That you stand with your arms outstretched saying, child, what do you want me to do for you? God, I pray that you would give us the courage to run toward you, toward abundant life. God, we thank you that in and through you, we have the ability to be fully present to you, fully present to the longings of our own souls, and fully present to others. God, we ask that you would transform us for the glory of God, for the abundance of our own lives, and for the sake of others. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need someone to pray with you this morning, there are members of our prayer team up front. And if not, go in peace. Have a great week. Thank you.